from Exodus 20:14. Do not commit adultery. You may be seated. Hey, Don, would you get that microphone for me, please, right there? Thank you. Let's go ahead a little bit of praying this morning as we're getting ready. So, God, we just, we thank you for the privilege to come together and to study and worship and um, just everything, commune with you, God. We're just so grateful, so thankful that we could be here. And so right now, let's pray a little bit, and I want to ask you to just pray in your heart. Just pray something like this. Say, God. Remove all the distractions from my mind. Holy Spirit, help me to hear and see what I need to hear and see today. Convict me where I need conviction. Encourage me where I need encouragement. God, if there's somewhere I need freedom, then I pray that you would give me that today. So right now, God, we just pray that all this comes under your kingdom, authority, rule, that you would reign and rule over every aspect of everything that's about to happen right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week about this time, I was getting ready to get on an airplane and fly back from Colorado back here to DFW. And uh, on the way there, man, I had a, I had a great time flying there. I had, uh, so I've got, you know, you have to put your, your phone on airplane mode when you fly on the airplane, you know, so I've got my Bible software on my phone, and I was just, I was reading um, the contemplative pastor, and then when it would run out, I'd go over to Puritan prayers, and on the way there, I mean, it was great, just had a, we got there, and, and uh, Trey was flying with me, the other elders met us there in Colorado, and I told Trey, I said, man, it was just like, that was a, a just a wonderful flight, went so fast and everything, and uh, so then on the way back home, Trey and I, we, we flew back, other guys had other directions to go, and so we're we're getting ready. We, we board the plane, and I don't know where he sits. He sits, he sits somewhere else where I mean, I'm just sitting there, and I sit down the aisle seat, and then there's a lady sitting on the window seat, and the, the center seat was open. I was like, oh, you know, thank you, Lord. I got a little bit of space here, because, I mean, you know how it is on a plane, man. I mean, like, you're just crowded, right? I mean, the person sitting next to you, they are just sitting like right, like the people sitting right next to you right now, you know what I mean, like right there. Well, this lady comes up, and she sits right there. So now there's me, and there's two women right here, okay? And I'm on the aisle seat. And so we get, we, the, the plane takes off. You know, we're flying along there. And, you know, she's looking at her phone, and I'm, I'm reading through there, and I'm reading the stuff, and I'm just having a good time, just enjoying it, man. Just, just getting my, my soul is getting filled up with, with, at, on this trip. It's this wonderful trip. Well, about halfway through the trip, she pulls out her laptop, and she puts it on that little tray in front of her, which is right in front of me. Now, I know I probably shouldn't have looked at her computer. Okay, you can, or we can argue that, all right? But, I mean, that just curiosity got me. I thought, you know, wonder what devotional she's reading. <laughs> Are y'all laughing? And, and so I just glanced over. It looked like a Word document. I mean, there's like a Word document right there. But I can tell you, just from reading four words, it was not a devotional. It, and, if, and if that is what a romance novel is, it was rated X. I mean, I told Trey when we got to DFW, I felt like I needed to bleach my eyes out. I mean, like, it was rough. I mean, so, so from there on, I mean, like, I, I, mean, I should have been, been sitting right there next to her the rest of the way going like this. 
reading my devotional. But I mean, I was turned like this. I was like, with the cross of Christ, between me and her, all that stuff, God help. You know, I mean, it, it offended my little lily white preacher eyes. It was rough. But it was interesting to think about this. Here we are, side by side, in the same plane, going the same direction, physically right here. I'm, I'm trying to fill my soul with, with God, with the word of God, and she's over here filling her soul with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the world. I mean, all these things, are, she, I mean, she is contaminating her soul. I mean, it's just so interesting to think. Two choices, and every single one of us, we live in that place every single day. You've got a choice. To fill up your body, your, your soul, your mind, with the good things of God. And man, listen, it's accessible, the world. It's everywhere. It's all around you all the time. And it's always coming at you, trying to, trying to tempt you to fill that flesh. Because man, right there in that moment, it, it feels good for the moment. But it leaves you empty. Leaves you wanting more. Never enough. Always needing a little bit more of that you feel like. But man, hey, listen. The fruit of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. Love. Joy. Peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's where true fulfillment is. Hey, listen, you're always wanting more, but you are filled up the whole time you got the fruit of the Holy Spirit in and out. So I'm going to ask you, all of you right here this morning that are married, how would you like to have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in and through your marriage? Would you like more of that? None of us would turn that down, right? So, this morning, man, we hit a tough subject, and, and I want to tell you, you know, I mean, um, the good thing about going verse by verse is you have, to, you have to tackle subjects you don't want to talk about, and as a preacher, the bad thing is you got to talk about things you don't want to talk about. And this morning, like, it's rough, you know, and here's the thing that amazes, y'all do know this is a holiday weekend, right? I was not expecting to see all y'all here. I was thinking, oh, this is great, you know, this week we'll have a low attended Sunday, and here we're packed out. I don't know what's up with you guys, but anyway... Hey, listen, Butch tried to forewarn you before we got into this. I want to, listen, I want to understand something. As we get into this subject this morning, those of you that are new here, here's what you have to understand. My desire is not to be cool or cutting edge or, you know, get in here and talk about things that gets controversial or anything like that. Here, here's, here's my heart. My heart is this. I, I would want everything to be rated G, but it can't this morning. The Bible's not rated G. And I'm going to try to keep it PG-13 and some of the stuff we talk about this morning. But for some of you, with your small kids in here, you may have to have some conversations when you leave out of here. And, and I'm just, my, my, here's what I've got to do. I've got to be responsible to God for what I say to you. I've got, to, I've got to show you what the Word of God says. And this morning, we get into some pretty rough stuff this morning. It's just, I've told you all that. We've been, as we go through the Ten Commandments, it's rough, and it gets rough, and it gets rougher, and it gets rougher. And it gets, it's some rough stuff we've got to go through. But that's a rough world you live in. This certain economy here this morning is that I'm like, man, I, wanna, I, I want this to be rated G, but you live in a rated X world, rated R world at least. Man, I mean, like I, I, most of our, our kids, by the time they're 10 years old, have been exposed to pornography, most of them already. And I'm up here like, oh, man, I sure hope that it doesn't get too rough this morning. It's a rough world you live in. It's just that simple. So, you know, I want to understand this too. I, I'm not apologizing for the Word of God. I don't make any apologies for what God says. All I can do is just show you what it says and let the Holy Spirit deal with you with where you're at and where we're at, where we are at. And there it is. That's one of the big ten. 
So we always got to ask ourselves, we come down to this, like when we're going through the Ten Commandments, God says, okay, these are the top things that, that you as a culture, that you and your relationship with me and your relationship with one another, these are the top ten. These are essential. So we got to ask ourselves, why would he put that in there? Do not commit adultery. So this morning, the title of the sermon is Soul, Soul Fusion. So what do I mean by that? Let me just give you the definition, exactly what I mean by this. Some of you might want to take a picture of this on your phone because it's not on your outline. You might want to look back at this later think about this. The sacred process by which two individuals in a marriage become one in identity, purpose, spirit, and love, deeply interconnected through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to mirror the Christ-Church relationship. So that, like, there's a difference between people that are outside of Christ, not saved, not Christian, you know, when they get married or have an agreement, whatever it is, then those that are in Christ, those of us who are Christians, when we get married, there's something very different about this. You do realize something. God is the one who designed marriage, right? So what are we talking about with adultery? That's our word right there. What is that? Adultery refers to engaging in sexual relations with someone other than one's spouse, breaking the exclusivity and covenant of the marital union with one another and with God. And that's what we're talking about this morning. That's what there's a fusion about. It's not just the bride and the groom, but it's God also that's involved in this covenant relationship. So look at how God feels about this whole issue of adultery as we jump into this this morning. Here's the Leviticus, Old Testament still, but look at what God says. If a man commits adultery with a married woman, if he commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both, I want you to listen, hey, at the end of the sermon, you're going to come back to this, pay attention to that, you see that? Both the adulterers, and the adulteress must be put to death. So at the very beginning, God said this is so serious that if you catch somebody in the community doing this, that per, those people, they are to be put to death. It is that serious, that big of an indictment against God. The marriage, the sanctity of marriage. We talk, well, Listen, we've covered the sanctity of life. We've covered about how important it is for us to have a relationship with God, to have him above all other gods, and to be the one and only God. He's exclusive, no one else, no one else, no other gods. And now in this, God says, listen, now in this union between the husband and the wife and me, it's exclusive, just the two of you. There's something very special here in this bond that you don't share with anybody else on the face of this earth. And if somebody got caught doing that back then, well, we just end their life. Now listen, I know once again, we're very sensitive in our culture. We live about these kind of things. We'll be, I mean, like, man, I mean, the sex sells. I mean, I mean, how many, how many, how many songs, pop songs in our culture are wonderful songs about marriage? They're quite the opposite, aren't they? I mean, anything that's, anything that's vile and rough or whatever it is that's, that's talking about this kind of topic right here, how many movies, how many television shows Top television shows are about wonderful marriages and families. And used to be that way, but now today it's quite the opposite, isn't it? I mean, like, is anybody going to make a movie today that's going to be a top movie that's about this wonderful husband and wife that has no problems? Who wants to watch that? Who wants? See, we want all the drama, all the illicit stuff, all of all. That's what, that's what sells. That's what goes. That's what hits the box office. And, man, that's a big seller. Because that, why? Is that because that's feeding our spirit? Or is that because that is what our flesh is drawn to? 
For, this is New, New Testament right here. To the church of Corinth. Church of Corinth, man, listen, they were some messed up people in that church. We're talking about people who were in Christ Jesus, and they were messed up. Are you with me now? See, because we think about that, oh, that's what all the lost people do. So I want you to understand something this morning. There is grace to cover everything. God's grace is filling every aspect of this. See, some of you right now that are, that are here, right now you're feeling a little uncomfortable. You're like, man, I did not know this is what we're going to talk about this morning. I stayed home if I'd known this was it. And then there's going to be some people right now that are like, somebody's trying to get you to watch this video, listen to this sermon later, and you're like, what, what are they trying to get me to listen to this? Okay, listen, just hang on for a second. Before you, before you flip it off, turn it off, or get away, before you check out on me, there's grace in every aspect of everything. There's grace flowing through the Ten Commandments, and there's grace flowing to us right now in the new covenant that we are grateful for today. So, to the Christians, Paul says, don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ's body? So, I mean, like, do you see that? That right now, you're, the physical body you've got right now, it's part of the body of Jesus Christ. So, should I take a part of Christ's body, it's not me, and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. So here's the problem with the Christians at Corinth. There's pagan worship all over the town of Corinth. And what they do is they go to their pagan temples. They were Christians. They were, they were in Christ Jesus. They had, they had professed their faith in him, repented of their sins, but they thought that it was okay for them to practice all these different religions and just add Christianity onto it. And what they do is they go to their temple and they would get the temple prostitutes and they would do all that stuff with them as part of their worship to that God of that temple. And what Paul's saying is you can't go do that and then come back here and be a Christian like that, okay? It's going to be one or the other. So he says right here, he says, so should I take part of it and, and the prostitute? Absolutely not, he says. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For Scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit. Look at this. Look at this fusion right here. It's one spirit with him. Are you in Christ Jesus today? The Bible says this right here, that you are, that there's been a fusion taking place in your soul. So flee. This right here is one Greek word. Sexual immorality. Pornea. Does that sound familiar? Pornea sounds kind of like pornography, doesn't it? Flee from sexual pornea. Now listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. That is not pornography. That's where the word came from. Pornea, porn right there, ography, stenography. I mean, the etymology of the word actually means to take something illicit like this and to write something along with it. I know the pornography is pictures, but that's where the word came from. So please don't misunderstand me. That does not say pornography. It's where the word came from. This is anything that is sexually immoral. So do you know what pornea is? Let me give you the illustration of pornea. Pornea is anything that you would find bad you would not watch or do if your grandmother's sitting right next to you. I mean, it would be like this. I mean, like for me, I've got two little granddaughters, okay, eight years old and like seven years old. If, I, if, this, if I'm going to watch a movie and I can't have them sitting right next to me, I don't need to watch that movie. If there's something I'm going to see on the Internet or something like that and they're sitting right next to me and I'm not going to look at that, I don't need to look at that. That is pornea. It's, 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 it's immoral, See me like, see some of y'all right now, oh, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. But you bring something pure in there, and it bothers you then, doesn't it? Hmm? This is what I'm saying right there is that God's trying to save you. (sighs) The sexually, you need to flee. So let me me ask you something. Does that mean you hang around and check it out? Does that mean that you're strong enough you can handle it? 
Doesn't say that, does it? So I mean, the, way I, the way I take that, and I, listen, I know this is coming across hard, but I mean, the word of God is hard. It says you need to run from it. Flee from pornea. Every other sin a person commits outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral, porneo, that's a whole nother word. Listen, that's rated R right there. I can't even tell you what that means. Sins against his own body. Oh, hey, sin, sin, right? No. Bible, go find that verse where it says sin is sin. Go find that Bible, go find that verse where it says all sin is the same. Find that verse and bring it to me because I want to see it. It's not there. You will not find it. I'll go ahead and help you right now. You will not find that verse. But in our Christianity today, our culture, oh, how many times I've heard that? Well, you know, all sin's the same. Okay, so I understand what they mean. It does separate us from God. But nowhere in the Bible does it say all sin is the same. If all sin was the same, then why, when you go all the way back to the Old Testament, then why have they got different types of sacrifices for different sins? I mean, shouldn't God just say, oh, all sin's the same, just do it, they all sacrifice all the same? No, different degrees. Why did, why did Jesus say to Pontius Pilate, the one that turned me over to you is guilty of a worse sin? Why would Jesus? I mean, you like, some of the people are like, oh, just the red letters. Well, there's your red letters right there, man. And right here, it's saying right here that like every other sin a person commits, that's outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral, they sense again, it's a whole different thing because there's a fusion that takes place. It doesn't matter what your intention is. I mean, when you get involved in this, there's something happening to your soul that's messing your soul up. Don't you know that your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? That means you're, you're containing the most pure thing there ever was, a Holy Spirit inside of you. Whom you have from God, you're not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. When we're talking about all of this, we got to go to the beginning. Let's go to the first wedding. Y'all, anybody like weddings in here? No, I don't either. Okay, so <laughs> listen to the personal name of God. So Yahweh, our Elohim, I'm going to say it like that. That's in the Hebrews house written. Yahweh, the personal name of God. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Yahweh, our Elohim, caused a deep sleep to come over the, the man. So here's the first wedding right here, and it says that he slept. So like the man almost dies in the first wedding, by the way. I've seen a lot of grooms that look like that. By the, have you ever noticed how the grooms are more nervous than the brides most of the time? Okay, I don't stop preaching. Let's go. God took one of his ribs and he closed the flesh in that place. Then Yahweh Elohim made the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. So the man's been naming all of the animals. God gave him the authority to name the animals. And the man said, man, this one, at last, at last. He's seen all the other animals. Look at this one, though. Man, there's a fusion right here. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This one, I'm going to call, whoa, man. <laughs> For she was taken from man. Now, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother, and he's fused, he's bonds with his wife, and they will become one flesh. So, let me illustrate it like this. So it would be as if you got the bride on one side and you got the groom on the other side. 
And then what you've got is that you've got this taking place. You've got them coming together, a fusion. And in this fusion, it's not 50-50. See, because we got a lot of people today that they get married and they thought it's a 50-50 contract. Now, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I will empty the dishwasher, you mow the yard. 50-50. I I'll do it this week, you do it that week. Any of y'all doing that, you're miserable, aren't you? Because you always feel like you get the short end of the stick. And whatever it may be, if you're thinking that's 50-50, then I got bad news for you today. Biblically, it is 100-100. There's nothing left here. That's gone. This is all we got left. Oh, wait. There's more than just the two coming together and becoming one because this is a covenant relationship. And here we have got the Holy Spirit. It's a covenant not only between the husband and the wife, but it's a covenant with God. And the Holy Spirit is a part of this relationship. So now you can't separate these out. I can't, take the, I can't take those glasses and put them back up here and get everything separated out and get that back, that food coloring back in this red little bitty thing right here. Now they have fused together. The two have become one. There's a fusion that's taking place right here that cannot be separated. So this way, this is why. You probably heard that verse before. In weddings, the man leaves his father and mother and he bonds with his wife. He's fusing right there and they will become one flesh. So they're married. They're in their garden. Everything is perfect. There's no sin. Everything is perfect. Y'all think, think I'm trying to set you up for something. I can tell by the way y'all looking at me. What's going where? It is perfect at this point. The marriage is perfect. They're, they're communing with God every day, face to face, speaking with God. Everything is good. And they're married. Did I say they're married? They're married. Are you with me now? Say amen. amen. But it wasn't until after they're married that look who shows up. And the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that Yahweh our Elohim, personal name of God, see it right there, Yahweh our Elohim, had made. And the serpent said to the woman, oh, wait, what happened to the personal name of God? Can we tell you what happened to the personal name of God? Because... Whenever you are being tempted, that's the moment that God becomes very unreal to you. You begin to distance yourself away from God when the temptation comes. Because if God is right there close and intimate to you, that's no temptation. You see what I'm saying? You're not going to, I mean, like, you can handle it then. But what God wants, the devil wants you to do, the devil wants to pull you away from that intimacy with God and say, ah, you know, pull away from that. He's not really real. He doesn't really care. God will forgive you. It doesn't really matter. Did Elohim really say you can't eat from any tree that's in the garden? Ah, oh, the woman said the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden, Elohim said, now look at that, she's going distant now. Elohim said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. That's not what he said. She's adding the word of God. Just what we do, we take it and we, get, we let the serpent twist it and then we twist it even some more. We add to what God said. God said, don't eat it. Now she said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you certainly not. You No, no, exclamation mark. Always disagreeing with the word of God. I'll tell you something, do you, do you believe that the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative word of God? If you say, yes, you do, then here's what I want to tell you. The world, your flesh, 
and the devil is going to try to convince you otherwise. And so I'm going to tell you something. That's the first step in the wrong direction right there. It's whenever we get to be like, ah, maybe part of it is, but this part isn't. That's when we start moving in the wrong direction. That's when we start falling into the temptation. That's whenever it comes, Yahweh becomes just Elohim then. Just something out there. It's all up to me. I'm the one that's in control. In fact, God knows that when you eat, that your eyes will be open and, and you will be like, you'll be better off. That's always a temptation in sin. Man, you see that over there? You had that, you'd be a lot better off. Look at them. Man, they look, they got it all together. Don't you wish that you were like them? Don't you wish you had that? If you had that, then you'd be happy. Then you would be fulfilled. The temptation is always that. It's always that you will be better off knowing good and evil. Was she better off when she knew good and evil? The woman saw that the tree was good for food. Lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh right there. Go look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And delighted, delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for tame. There's, there's lust, there's... The pride of life right there for obtaining wisdom. And I would be better off once again. So she took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave it to the, her husband who was with her. And he ate it. And I know you've heard the sermons. He should have been leading her. He shouldn't have let her do that. She's leading out. It's all out of biblical order. And I would agree with all of that, by the way. See, here's our problem right here. Here is our problem. Your problem and my problem. Okay, you got to get this this morning. Every single one of us, this is our problem. We've got a mountain of pride living inside of us. Every single one of us, to one degree or another, we all struggle with that pride mountain right there, man. It's, it's there, and it's strong, and it's called our flesh in the Bible. And it's wanting to rule over you. From that pride mountain, there flows a river called selfishness. Every single one of us, this is naturally there. You take those little bitty precious children of ours, they start growing up, how long does it take for them to become selfish? That's my toy pulling away. And then from that selfishness, there's a little tributary that comes off called lust. Always wanting something for our flesh, whether it might be, we were talking about pornography this morning, whether it could be food, whether it could be, you know, power, it could be money, it could be, there's all kinds of things in this world that comes off of this. Starts with pride, goes with selfishness, and then it rolls right out, and it just flows, and it flows, and it flows, but it all starts right here at the top of this mountain called pride, and there's all kinds of tributaries going off greed, you know, all kinds of stuff going off besides lust, but right here, here's what you have to understand. You may be dealing with this. Let me tell you something. This is a symptom of a greater problem right there. Then the eyes of them, both of them were open, and they, they knew they were naked. <laughs> so they did works righteousness, first works righteousness act in the Bible. I'm going to work my way into God being approved, approved. So they sewed figs leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Everything's good now. They're covered up, right? It's all good. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of, the, of Yahweh or Elohim that should be capitalized. I didn't capitalize these, so... Just pretend like they're capitalized. Yahweh or Elohim walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze when he'd always come and spoke with them, commune with them, and they hid from Yahweh, their Elohim, among the trees in the garden because, bless their hearts, they did not know you can't hide from God. So Yahweh or Elohim called out to the man and he said, 
Where are you? Did God need information? Did God not know where they're at? The all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent God not know where they were? And he said, uh, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because that's the first time fear hits because fear is the opposite of faith. I was afraid because I was naked, so I did the best thing I could do, and I just tried to get away from you, and I tried to hide because that's what my sins will drive me to do. They were driving me away from God. They will drive me to the point where I'm isolated, where it's only about me, where nobody else knows what I'm going through, nobody else can relate to me, and everybody will think horrible things of me if I confess my sins right out there in front of everybody. And there we are. Here we are in this culture right now that is run amok with all kinds of terrible things because we're all too prideful to admit that we're sinful. I ain't going to go in there and tell those people, man, they're going to gossip about me. <laughs> so I stay in bondage. I stay in isolation. Do you see the trap the enemy's got us in here? Yeah. It's worse than a small community anywhere else in the face of the earth also. That's one thing, that's one thing about going through re-engage. Everybody that we went through re-engage with, remember them talking about, I can't, everybody else is struggling the same thing we're struggling through. They were, everybody was shocked they got there and saw that, hey, they're all struggling the same thing I got struggling with. Then God asked him, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Marriage is getting harder, by the way. The man replied, that woman, you gave. <laughs> not me. Pride Mountain right here, brother. It's not me. It's not my fault. Is that woman? Everything's good till you put her in here. We were good till she got here. And by the way, you're the one that put her here. I didn't put her here. It's just, so ultimately, it's your fault. Remember when he saw her? Whoa, man. Now he's like, oh, man. <laughs> man, woman, you gave me to be with me. She gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Man, marriage all the same. <laughs> Here's the first outline, outline right there. Marriage doesn't fix your problems. It magnifies your problems. Somebody should have told me that before I got married. Because there's a whole lot of people out there right now that, man, they can't wait. Let me just give you an illustration. It's kind of like the college couple right now. The couple right now that they're in college. They're in college, and, I mean, like, they've got it good. I mean, they're not, they're, they're, their parents are paying for the college. They don't work. All they do is they go to college and they socialize. And they met each other in this perfect, this perfect little bubble right here, and they can relate to each other because they're both in the same college. They're both away from home. They're both isolated here, and they meet each other, and everything is great and perfect. i got to marry you. Go back home. I'm going to marry them. And the parents are like, okay, hold on. Let's wait till after you graduate. Okay, I can do that. And they go through college, and they're, they're engaged, and everything is wonderful. No problems, man. I've got the perfect person to marry my soulmate. You complete me. All that junk. <laughs> and then they graduate. They get the jobs. They go out into the world. And, man, everything's still going. They're on the honeymoon stage right there. First few years, everything's going good. Let's have some kids. Let's buy a house. Let's buy some cars. And then they do all of that. And now, all of a sudden, they're going in two different directions, two different jobs. They don't see each other. When they get home, man, those kids are driving them nuts because they suck every bit of the soul right out of them. They have no time left for each other. And they go further and further and further apart. The only time they communicate is when they're mad at the other one. You spend too much money. You're gone too much. And all of a sudden, these, this this perfect atmosphere turns into a boiling, hot place of incitement against one another. And then, oh, as a dude goes to work, there's this pretty young thing there that's not married, 
and she is showing him all kinds of wonderful attention, and he starts thinking, that looks good. I'd be better off there. She appreciates me. She understands me. Oh, hang on. Am I telling the truth this morning? See, they thought that things were going to, and, and I could get you from the other side too. There's a whole bunch of people going into marriage that are bound by pornography. And they think when they get married, it's going to solve that problem. And at first it helps, but then in time it magnifies. Because when you get put under stress, your problems will get magnified. So listen, you young people that are here right now, listen, I'll tell you something. I know you come to church and you get the preacher up here in front of you and you think, man, you have to expect, I expect you to say that, preacher. All the preachers say that. Let me tell you something. Look at that. Did I shake that or stir that? Didn't, did I? Looks a little different at first, but that drop in, doesn't it? Do you know why? Because in time, it spreads over every aspect of that. And here's what I want to tell you, too. The contaminations of you looking at pornography, you getting any kind of pornea, that's what it's going to do to you. It's going to contaminate your soul, and it'll go to every fiber of who you are, and you will regret the day that you got involved in it. So listen, I'm going to tell you some young people. If you haven't got into that yet, you better stay out of it because it will not be good to you. Have you ever noticed known people that shoot, shoot themselves in the foot? You know what that means, right? You, you do realize that when you get into pornography, you are shooting yourself in the foot. You think that that's the best thing for you, and you are destroying yourself. God is trying to save you from yourself, man. This is what I'm just trying to tell you. I know it's rough. I know it's hard. Some of y'all right now are like, hmm. Look at this about marriage. Here's what the Bible says about, listen, marriage. Hold on, hang on, hang on. I'm not against married, marriage. I'm married, okay? I have a wonderful marriage. Love my wife. And I love my wife, and I'm glad that she loves God more than she loves me. She loves Jesus more than me. I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you something. We tend to, in Christianity, make marriage the ultimate thing. And biblically, it's not. It is not the ultimate thing in the Bible. It's a good thing, but not the ultimate thing. Your ultimate thing, that's your kingdom purpose, your relationship with Jesus. Are you with me on that? So, Here's what the Bible says. It's one of the things the Bible says. It isn't wrong to marry. <laughs> Even if you've never been married, because he's talking about marriage and re remarriage at this point in 1 Corinthians. But those who marry will have a lot of trouble. That's what the Bible says right there. The Bible doesn't say anything about it being easy. It's going, it is going to take a lot of hard work. So, biblically, is marriage, is it a civil contract? Is it an agreement between two people? No. It's a biblical covenant. Fusion of two souls with God and with one another. Big difference between the two. That's why whenever Christians get married, they've got the Bible and they've got a preacher and the preacher's talking about the two becoming one. That's what that's all about right there. You see that? So the Bible talks about it being a covenant over and over again. Malachi, he talks to them about their marriage being a covenant. And for us, we should see marriage very differently than the rest of the world does. We should not be conformed to this, to this age, to this culture that you live in. It's telling you lies about it. It's no big deal, man. Just, just the, the, you know, the best thing you can do is just live together before you get married, and then you'll make sure that everything is right. So why are the statistics that more people get divorced that do that first than people that get married? Wow, man, I just stopped preaching and went to meddling, didn't I? You should have seen the, in the room go boom like this up here right now. 
Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is a good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So I want to ask you something. Do you want me just to sugarcoat everything down and go along with the rest of the culture? Let me tell you what the Bible says. All right, three people said the Bible, so I'm going with those three right there. <laughs> All right, so now look at this. Here's what the Bible says. What you got right now, where you are right now, this spot where you're at, not where you think you're going to be, the spot where you're at right now. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Now, we've talked about this before, but it's important for me to go back to this once again. The grass is always greener over the septic tanks. Because, man, that, man right now, with as dry as it is out there right now, I know exactly where my septic tanks are and my septic line runs. The only place green in my yard. But you know why? Because if you go pull that grass back, there's something nasty and stinky under there feeding that grass. And that grass is illustrative of the world system you live in right now. Oh, man, but you know, that is a really entertaining movie or television series. I believe you it is. And I know what makes that television series, that movie so entertaining is the devil is a master at making stories and putting them all together and getting you hooked in to your flesh to where you want to watch all of that stuff. Ah. Oh, man. So there's grace, right? I didn't, I'm not coming in here today to condemn you. I'm just, my whole heart is to shine the light on the lie that we're living in. Not to make you feel condemned, but to help you to see that, man, we are being deceived by this world system we're living in. Yeah, that grass is all pretty, but, man, you, got to, you, you pull that grass back and pop that lid off, and there's a whole different story right there, man. And that's what happens. So many people are like, that dude's like, all right, divorces his wife, goes after that pretty little young thing right there, and he gets in there with her, and he pulls back the lid, and all of a sudden he realizes that everything from a distance, are you listening to me? Say amen. amen. Good, because you got to hear this. This is why you came to church this morning. You don't hear anything else I say. you got to hear this. Everything from a distance looks good. The veneer looks good. See, some of y'all right now, y'all looking over at those people, and you're like, I wish I was like them. Let me tell you something. You get over there close enough, and you might start smelling their stink. Okay? You get up there close enough to them, you might realize, hey, you know what? They don't have it all together after all. And he gets a hold of that, that pretty young thing, and she finds out that she's mean as a devil. And she's cheating on him like, like, like he was cheating on his wife. I mean, like, it just goes on and on. Let me tell you something, man. You move away from God, you're going to get into trouble. It's just that simple. Mm. And we need to take every thought captive that whenever you start, I don't know what your struggle is. Listen, I want to tell you something. Once again, I'm not trying to condemn you or anything like that, but I want to tell you something. If you're struggling with pornography, then you need to, you need to do some stuff. i never forget the young man that came in here when I first got here six years ago. Oh, by the way, this is our anniversary for me and you. Six years. This Sunday, right now. Today. Six years. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> made it six years. I never forget when I first got here, and we were talking with somebody about IT, and they came in, they were outside the church, and they came in, and this dude's a computer, man, he's a computer whiz, and he pulled out his flip phone, and I was like, what? And I don't expect this guy to the computer whiz to have like a smartphone. I was like, hey, brother, I said, uh, why you got that flip phone? And he goes, puts it in the pocket, and puts it in, and goes, I need this for accountability. 
I was like, okay, I respect that. Because he decided that he needed to do something drastic because he was not doing well with the smartphone. He was getting into some stuff he shouldn't be getting into. So we got to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So listen, here's what you need to do. You need to set yourself up to stay away from the things that are getting you. Cut them off, cut them out. If you got to be somewhere where, like, you're on a screen, you keep looking at the wrong, then, then put pictures of your babies up there or whatever. I don't know, right around your computer screen. Anytime that you're tempted to look at that, look over there at those babies and think, would I look at, do I want them to see what I'm seeing right now? So we got to root out evil thoughts before they become sinful fantasies. Do you fantasize about that life, that person, whatever it may be, having that or whatever it is, or being there, or being with them or whatever it is. So you got to root out those evil thoughts before they can. Sinful fantasies is where it all begins. to get you moving in the wrong direction. It's your thought life. It's your flesh moving you there. Here we go. Ephesians 5, 21 through 25. Father and Father. So it's talking about submitting to God, submitting to one another. So all the men in here, it's all the husbands in here right now. Let me get you, okay? Are you with me? All the, all the men. Every man in here that's got a wife. Here's what, hear the Bible. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we always use that thing about the wife submitting to us. The Bible says that we are to submit to them also. You got that right? To everybody. And that, that out of reverence, out of my fear and my respect for Jesus, because he's the one that bonded us together, fused us together. So the way that I treat my wife is the way that I treat Christ. Oh, man. Yeah, I should have stayed home today. I do not want her to hear that. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. So marriage is designed to bless you and make you happy right after it kills you. Somebody else said that. I don't know where the quote came from. But a few years back, we did love and respect. That every husband needs love. Every wife needs love, and every husband needs respect. This is, this is on Right Now Media, by the way. If you want to watch it free, go to our webpage right there. You can download it, watch all these. Love and respect right there. I'll leave the book up here so you can look at it, or you can take it for all. That's fine. And then... We've also got re-engage. We're talking about that starting next Monday night. Here's the thing. Some of you in here right now, you are wishing that your marriage was better. And you're thinking, I would go to counseling, but I can't afford counseling. What are we going to do with the kids? We got it all figured out right here. Listen, I know. You got to hear this. Free child care. Here it is. All you got to do is what you put into us, what you will get out of. You want your marriage to be better? It's just simple. You want, then every Monday night you go through this and you come up here and you go through this book and you study it, then it will change your marriage for the better guaranteed. So I mean, like some of y'all right now, I don't want to come up there and get involved. I don't want to know my stuff and everything. Okay, so listen, you don't want everybody to know your stuff. And if your marriage is going in the wrong direction, and you're afraid everybody's going to know your stuff, you got those precious little kids at home, then whenever it all ends in divorce, you remember this moment right here. 
God was speaking to your heart, showing you, here it is. Here's the opportunity. Here's what he wants to do to help you through what you got right now. And you're passing it up because of that pride mountain. Got one more thing as long as I'm showing you all good stuff. This is in our resource room for free. If you've never done this, you married couples, you give this a try. Just try it one time. Family meeting, spouse edition. That's it right there. See that? That's all the questions you ask each other. Try that once a week. Go through this. You won't regret that either. Everybody know Galatians 2.20, right? They got that memorized? I've been crucified with Christ. That means I've died. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The only way marriage is going to work, the only way any healthy relationship is going to work is if I'm not selfish. Oh, here, here we go. Here's signs of selfishness in a marriage. Do you find it hard to compromise? Then you might be selfish. Do you not like to give or share? Sounds like your kids, I know. But if that's you, then you might be selfish in your marriage. Do you find it difficult to forgive your spouse? This is within reason. After you're being abused, that nuts work to that, okay? That's a whole different story. But if you've got a normal relationship and you're struggling to forgive your spouse, it might be. Because let me tell you something. If you truly ask God to help you forgive that other person, he will grant you the ability to forgive them. Do you feel as if you're competing with your spouse? Do you want your kids to love you more than they love them? That's a sign right there. Do you think you're better than your spouse? Man, they are lucky to be married to me. That's a bad sign. Do you struggle to see the understand, and understand your spouse's perspective? Then there might be a problem right there. Okay, so... This whole thing, let's see where Jesus lands on this, okay? Are y'all ready for the upgrade? Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. That's the one we're looking at this morning, right? Look at this. He says, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her. Y'all heard that verse, right? We go after every teenage boy with that one, man. Oh, man, I am condemned then. That's rough. Okay, so listen. I always try to pull out the Greek and show you what the Greek says. And most of the time, the Greek is rough and harder than what the English says. It flips this time. Interesting. Because you pull out the Greek on this, and this one English word is actually four Greek words. It's usually the opposite. Usually you're going to have four English words, one Greek word. For this proste, epe, thome, aten, it says, really, perfect translation would be, for the purpose of lusting after her. So, what it's saying is this. There's no way you can engage in pornography without the purpose of lusting after that, okay? But if something accidentally pops in front of your, your or you're on the screen or whatever, it pops up there, and, and you look at that, and you're like, oh, good, it's gross. Get it off there. Okay, so you didn't just do pornea right there. You didn't engage in it. You, you, I mean, like, if I'd have sat there and I'd been like, hey, hey, can I read that? Can I? Oh, man, that is, I'd have been engaging in pornea by looking at reading her thing. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes you accidentally see it, but if it's like it's repulsive to you because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is sensitive against that stuff, then you're not engaging in it. But if you go looking for it, and whenever you see it, you're like, oh, that's curious. I'm going to go check that out. I'm going to look at that a little bit more. Then, see, you're engaging in it then. So Jesus says, looks, lust goes after it for the purpose of lusting, has already committed. Yeah, that, that's, you're guilty right there. You're already, in your heart, in his heart, it's already happening right there. 
If your right eye calls you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, man, that's extreme, right? So Jesus is saying that's what the pornea is extreme. When you engage in that, that's extreme. You are, you are messing your soul up, man. I mean, you're contaminating yourself. You should take extreme measures on this. Now, of course, he doesn't mean you actually gouge it out physically, but, but, but I mean, like, it should be that serious to where you get the flip phone, get away from it, change things. For it's better that you lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, y'all thought I preached hard. And if your right hand, well, what? What right hand? Yeah, we got kids in here, so I'll let you figure that one out. Causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one part than your, of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Man, I've had a lot of conversations one-on-one with people like that, and they don't like that verse. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice for divorce. So what the, what the rabbis had done is that they had permitted men to divorce their wife for anything. Man, they could burn the toast. There was a permission for that. Just as long as they wrote it all out, they gave them a written note right here. They could do that. Jesus upgrades that. He said, but I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, and here's an exception right here, in the case of pornea, sexual immorality, and then also in Corinthians, Paul says, if a Christian marries a non-Christian and they abandon the covenant, then that person's free to remarry also. But here's the exception he says. A pornea causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So that's the only exception put it, Jesus put in there. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Look at the first one. It's pornea. You need to be that radical against it right there. But the fruit of the Spirit... This is what God produces in you. Are you a Christian today? Are you born again? Are you saved? Then the Holy Spirit's inside of you. It's changing you from the inside out. And the fruit of the Holy, this is what the fruit of the Holy Spirit's doing in you. It says that, that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And look at that. Self-control. The L should be highlighted also. Anyway, the law is, listen, the law is not against such things. Now, those who belong, the position in Christ, they have crucified. It's your responsibility to crucify your flesh. Man, listen, I can't beat that drum hard enough. Oh, well, I'm saved, and God will forgive me. It doesn't really matter. You choose to sin. You choose to suffer. So, I mean, like, you can't get involved in this stuff and come out of it scot-free, and it won't bother you. I mean, it would be like for a person that gets in pornea that's married, it would be illustrated if I got up here with a bunch of dirt and I poured it in that. That's how, what it would do to that. That's a mess right there. Everything that you die to in this world will be reborn in the kingdom of God. So the world, the flesh, and the devil is trying to get you to think about sex in the wrong way. If you're willing to die to what this world is teaching about sex and lust, die to that part of your, 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 who you are, then in the kingdom of God, it'll be reborn as something very new and something very beautiful and something very wonderful. So see, God set up marriage to where you've got two people that are intimate in a way that nobody else is. Just that, they're just intimate with, that one, with God and that other person. Okay, so keeping this ready G, so you older people will know what I'm talking about. Younger kids don't understand this, and I don't know how to do this, but this is the best I can do. Keep it ready G. Every 
covenant in the Bible is sealed by blood. Okay? Every one of them. The groom and the bride, if they are virgins on the wedding night, it's sealed. Okay, we'll leave it right there. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law, this is Jesus, and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, the, the, this, it did say, we saw that earlier. Remember Leviticus? It said, put both of them to death. So they're coming there and they say, we caught them in the act. My question is this, where's the dude? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, I've read all kinds of theologians that speculated what he wrote in the dust. Okay? Do you know what I believe he wrote in the dust? I'll tell you. I believe he didn't want anybody to know. I believe that the fact that they couldn't see what he was writing was about to drive them nuts. Because <laughs> they were thinking he might be writing the names of all the women that I've lusted for. They kept demanding an answer. So he, there's a pause in there. So he stood up again and he said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, we're your accusers. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. So the woman, according to the Mosaic law, was guilty and deserved death. What did he give her? He gave her grace. He said, neither do I. I don't condemn you. Now, you just go and sin. No, you go and you repent. Well, that's, listen, that's the best news I heard all day right there. Because all the rest of this is rough. And it is rough. But until you get to the grace of Jesus, all of life is rough. So listen, this morning, you may, don't walk out of here being condemned in your sins if you're in Christ Jesus. Because here is the most important fill-in you got after confession and repentance, because both of those are really the same thing. When you truly confess your sins, you're turning away from it. After confession and repentance in Christ Jesus, your position, you're saved. Your past sins no longer condemn you. You're no longer condemned. Man, that, that's a, when you're under the blood of Jesus, you've been forget, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. You have been set free from that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up this morning. So you may be thinking this morning, man, David, you know, like I, I messed that illustration right there up, you know. I mean, that, I messed that up. And here's, you know, I wish I could get up here in front of this morning and go, yeah, that's all right, it's no big deal. 
So can God forgive you for that? Absolutely yes. Will you still have to suffer the consequences of your memory and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely yes. You have to suffer the consequences in most cases. But yes, you can be forgiven. But see, here's, I know in the, that you could sit here and say, man, David, you're just way too hard-nosed about all this kind of stuff and all that, and I just wish that you would talk a little bit more about grace and not be so hard on this. Okay, so let me tell you something. I'm not going to, don't raise your hand. But if I said, how many of y'all wish that when you were younger, somebody would have told you this? I would, I could imagine that. I wish I, I would put my hand up. I mean, I wish that somebody would have been hard and hurt my feelings when I was young. And I would have listened to them and have saved myself a lot of suffering. But I grew up in church, went to church every Sunday, and I believed, oh, well, God will forgive me. He knows my heart. And I went right into sin, and I suffered the consequences. That I'm still suffering the consequences, and I will the rest of my life. And I wish somebody would have told me the truth. Instead of saying, don't, 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 stop, stop, stop. That somebody, wish somebody would have told me, hey, listen, God's got a better plan for you. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying this morning. So, I mean, like, hey, you know, once again, I'm not apologizing for God's word. And I'm not apologizing for being too hard. But if you walk out of here this morning and say, man, why is he like that? I'm just trying to be faithful to the text. I got good news. We're about to have communion. I mean, as long as we're talking about hard text, let's get one more in there, right? You know? It's a holiday weekend, you know? I thought that I could just put all the hard stuff out there this weekend. So here we go. Y'all ready for another hard one? Say amen if you're ready. Amen. All right, look at this. After that, the Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Talking about Jesus, because Jesus just said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, or you won't be in the kingdom of God. So Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Man, that's tough right there, isn't it? <laughs> the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Because my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. So God has designed you that the only way you're going to survive long-term is if you eat food and you drink water. You know that, right? you got to have food, and you got to have to survive physically. So the point is this, is that for you to survive spiritually, man, you got, you got to have, you got to want and need Jesus so much. That's your spiritual food. That's your spiritual drink. That's the only way you live spiritually is through him, not your own works, not sowing your fig leaves and putting them on, not, not being a good person, not behavior modification, but life transformation. Yeah. See, some of y'all, man, right now, you've been that whole pornography thing. I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. Stop trying. And start abiding. Pray for the Holy Spirit to change your heart. See, you're in love with yourself. Man, I don't know how to say it any nicer than that. That's why you're doing this. That pride, you love yourself. It ends up in lust. If you love Jesus more than anything else, that will transform your heart, and that stuff will become appalling to you. The Holy Spirit inside of you will be appalled when you see it. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do. 
Just as the living Father sent me and I live because the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is a bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the man that your ancestors ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. And I got one more verse. It's that same verse we look at every week and it's the best, in my opinion. Therefore, there is no, now no present tense, now no condemnation for those because you've been forgiven in Christ Jesus. You're under the blood. It's been washed. It's gone. You're not that person anymore. You've been reborn. You've been remade. You're a new creation in Christ. That is gone. He's removed as far as the east is from the west. You've repented. It's gone. That's good news right there. So now we're about to commune with the Father, sit down at the table of Jesus, eat and drink, demonstrate our oneness with him, abide in him. So if you're ready to do that, the elements are at the front and the elements are at the back. Once you get them, you can have a seat. Appreciate you. So, you know, I know the movie, The Passion of the Christ, that it's not, you know, word for word scripture. And I know some people don't like the movie and, you know, you can, all that kind of stuff. However, I can't hardly watch the movie because, I mean, man, it just wrecks me out when I watch it. And, um, but I've seen it several times. And I tell you what, my favorite scene is whenever he's on the cross, he's in the Della, Via Della Rosa, and he's got the cross and he's barely making it down. And there's that scene where, where Mary comes running up the alley. And she comes up there, and she's like patting him, and he says, Behold, I make all things new. I was like, man, that's my favorite scene. And because it's so true, you know, that death and that burial and the resurrection of Christ makes all things new. So those past mistakes I made, that's a different person. He's dead. He died a long time ago, and he's gone. I mean, like, I barely can remember that dude. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been born from above, and all of my sins have been washed away. So now, I have a wonderful, loving relationship with God and with my wife. Jesus, number one, the fusion that took place between Melissa and I changed everything. I'm no longer that person. Man, I mean, that's like, 
If you could take those cups and put them in the trash and haul them off, it's gone, man. I mean, it's just gone. It's no longer about me. It's about Christ, number one. It's about serving my wife and being Christ to her. And the interesting thing is, is that whenever I seek the kingdom first and I seek to serve her above myself, then then I really discover who I am. But man, if I make it all about me and what she's doing for me and how she reflects me and trying to change her and get her to modify her behavior, then I lose myself. And I become something very selfish and very mean. And we start to move apart. See, some of you, you got to get your, your loves ordered. It's got to be Jesus, number one. And you got to be reflecting that love to the people around you. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe it's your coworkers, but until you've got that one right there, then there's no fusion taking place. When no fusion taking place, you become one isolated, mean, selfish, lustful individual. And God wants to break you free from that. So are you saved? Now I'm not asking you if you said a prayer. I'm not asking if you join a church. I'm not asking if you're baptized. I'm asking you, have you been reborn from above? Are you being transformed right now? See, change in your heart. That's how you know you're saved. So if you're right here right now with me and you're like, man, <laughs> there's a fusion that's taking place in my heart. I'm loving things I used to hate and I'm hating things I used to love. Then that's what we're celebrating here. It's all because of this. Because you have partaken of the fusion in your soul and you've been reborn from above. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. To put back on the clicker on the computer, please. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we're doing right now. Let's open up the wafer. This is real food, real spiritual food. Man, I mean, this does not physically become the body of Christ, but it's something mysterious. It's not just only merely a symbol. There's something beautiful and mysterious that's happening right now. The most sacred thing you and I will do today is right here, right now, in this moment. As we take this, the body of Christ, and we assimilate it into us, demonstrating our oneness with him. It's a fusion that's taking place, and this demonstrates that fusion. So you're going to pray with me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body that was given for me. Thank you for forgiving me all of my sins. You're my God, you're my King, you're my Lord, and you're my Savior. Let's eat. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's go ahead and open up.
Are you thankful today that you're saved? Are you thankful that you're headed to heaven and heaven is coming into your life right now and changing you? Are you thankful for that? Transforming you? Oh, life in Jesus is so much better, isn't it? Oh, it's so much better. It's so good. As you look at that juice right now, I want you to think about the fusion that's taking place in your heart and your soul. The transformation. All of your sins are forgiven. You're a new creation. You're born from above. Think about that as you look at that juice. That juice represents the blood of Jesus. It changes everything. It fuses with your soul, changes everything. So if you want to, you can pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the new covenant. You're my God, my King, my Lord, and my Savior. Let's drink. Let's all stand up again, please. So on your way out, if you want to get that um, family meeting spouse edition, it's in the resource room. And if you want to sign up for re-engage, sign-up sheets are out there. And Regen also is out there. All the sign-up for Monday Night Ministries. Sign, listen, sign up. Talk to your spouse. And listen, if your spouse comes to you, here's what I want to encourage you to do and ask you to sign up, at least give it a try. I would say give it three meetings. You might be surprised in three meetings what God does in your heart. You got to live with that person. You realize that, right? You're living with them. And you're just going to make things better. You'll be glad you did. Y'all glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> I'm surprised to see y'all. Glad to see y'all. And I'm glad this week's over with. For me, Sunday morning, preaching that sermon is what I meant. So God, we do, we thank you today for salvation, for renewal, for forgiveness of sins. You're so good to us. So right now, just think about this. See, if you're thankful that that old person's dead, why don't you tell the Lord from your heart right now that you're thankful that he made all things new in your life. That you're thankful that you're here in this moment, communing with him. You still taste that in your mouth, that sacred moment, that you can do that. Can you thank him for that? All of your sins are forgiven. Can you thank him for that? So some of you right now, you're, you're thinking about going into this new week and you're thinking you're going to give it one more try to stop that behavior modification. So right now, why don't you pray something like this. So Holy Spirit, transform my heart. Change my want-tos. 
make sin utterly sinful in my life, in my heart, and in my soul. Can you pray that? Help me to understand what it means to be crucified with Christ. Can you pray that? To die to my flesh. See, some of you right now, your flesh has been ruling you, and the Holy Spirit is wanting to take over. So you just pray something like this. I just bring my life under the kingdom, authority, rule of Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to reign and rule over my thought life. Help me take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Change me as I live under your kingdom, authority, rule. Grant me repentance from my sins. Can you pray that? I want you to be my Lord and Savior every moment of every day. Holy Spirit, show me what needs to be cut out of my life. So as you leave out of here today, I want to pray this blessing over you out of Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.